Let's bring in our first guest this morning. Now that we've had a look at the indices, some key levels to keep an eye on and what's on the minds of traders this morning. Mark Chandler, the chief market strategist of Bannockburn, joins us. Mark, welcome back from vacation. I hope you're ready to hit the ground running. Let's begin with Powell and Yellen meeting with the president yesterday. Yellen admitting she was wrong. In all fairness, she wasn't alone, possibly just the first uh, to come forth and admit so. Well, yeah, I think that Powell's already admitted that uh, said it was wrong. Uh, so I, I think it's uh, I think it's an important thing that when policymakers uh, admit that they're wrong, but I think that we're well beyond that now. And I think that the real issue is where is the terminal rate for Fed funds? And you know we had Waller, Governor Waller, who's emerged as a, as a hawk on the on the board of governors, and he many people thought that his comments were were hawkish because he talked about more than 50 basis point hikes. Uh, besides just the June mm -hmm. and uh, August meetings. He said until we get to 2%, basically. Exactly. But yeah. he, he also said that he, that he was in line with the, with the market's thinking. And the market, right. the Fed Fund's futures, have priced in 175 to 200 basis points more here starting in June. And so I, I don't think that much more hawkishness. I think that this is really what's happened, is that the market's now afraid the Federal Reserve is going to break something. And I think that's why we've seen a pullback in the peak Fed Fund's rate the market had thought 375 before I left on vacation in the middle of May, and now it's closer to 3%. Yeah, things have gotten a little bit overdone as you were headed on vacation. Here we're looking at rates. The 30-year on the left got up to 3 and a quarter. Well, through at 3.27. The 10-year on the right to 3.16. Mark, they discuss how to bring down inflation aside from the actions the Fed's already taken, raising rates and all. What's left? Uh, mention of dollar-back China tariffs from the prior administration has been tossed out there. We tried to release strategic petroleum reserves. Where do you see the off-ramp here? Yes, I think that's really a question of time. Okay. I think that a combination of Fed tightening and, you know, remember, and this is really uh, the Fed's, well, especially people like Bullard and Waller's argument, is the Fed might have only raised rates beginning in March, but they signaled a hike they signaled a change in course last September. Financial conditions in between the September and March, say the, uh, the short end, the two-year two note yield, rose 100 basis points from September to March before the Fed even raised rates. So the combination of tightening of financial conditions, the weakening, and we've seen this, the U.S. consumer is using home equity loans, credit cards, drawing down their savings to still sustain consumption. And that's got a that's a limited time, you know. That's got a limited life shelf shelf life, and so I think that a combination of weakening of the economy, tightening of financial conditions, we're going to see lower inflation. The problem is next week when we get the May CPI print, it's going to be proved very sticky. We're still talking about an eight percent handle. Hmm. Speaking of eight percent CPI print, we were talking about yesterday the uh, numbers out of uh, Europe. And you know, I guess I'm wondering here in terms of with Yellen having admitted she was wrong. Uh, the ECB, just while you were on vacation, I'm sure you saw, they talked about turning the corner here, heading into a positive rate environment. I, I guess the question is, are we going to now start to hear mention of a 50 basis point rate hike possibly headed from the ECB? And then also now that I uh, bring that up here, we've got the Bank of Canada this morning. Yeah, so I think uh, for the Bank of Canada, you know, it's, what's interesting is that almost all the economists expect 50 basis point hike today. Okay. But the swaps market is about halfway towards pricing in a 75 basis point move. Hmm. That could set us up for a little bit of disappointment hmm. after the Canadian dollars had a huge rally. When it comes to the ECB, I think you're right. We've been seeing some, uh, some of the hawks, like from the Dutch, the Austrians, uh, Latvia, talking about keeping 50 basis point hikes on the table. The market's looking for, right now, I'd say the, the, uh, the, the, 
swap curve is looking at 100 basis points between July and the end of the year. That would bring them up to 50 basis points positive. It would be the first time above negative rates in, in a decade. Mark, uh, we're looking at the euro currency here. It's firmed recently up to 108. Um, well, actually, I think it was just shy, right? It was 107.50, we'll call it. And then I just want to point out in terms of uh, the Canadian dollar, it, it's been firming into this meeting as well, up to 7,900. So that being the case, I saw the Bannockburn's World Currency Index, uh, your GDP weighted basket, it edged up in May, reflecting the gains in the major currencies. We're looking here at the euro, at the Canadian dollar. Here, here is the uh, currency index we're looking at the chart here that you published in your newsletter yesterday. Now, uh, this is a reflection of, again, um, the dollar weakening here. You can see with the euro firming up, ultimately, where do you see the U.S. dollar headed now as rates have come off and the Fed, again, is kind of leaning into this 50-50 sort of penciled in at this point? Yeah, you know, I think that what we've seen in the last uh, couple of weeks, this uh, bounce in the euro is really the biggest bounce we've had in a year. Mm -hmm. But I think it's just about run its course. I'm looking at Another robust jobs report on Friday, call it 300,000, that sticky CPI next week. And so I, I think that we get uh, a bit of a dollar bounce here. And to me, the, how that bounce shapes, the magnitude of it, how, what it looks like, I think will determine whether we have a, a serious dollar top in place. I'm leaning that way, but I want to see how the dollar bounces here. And if, if, this, if the, especially our friends in the futures market, if they sell into uh, this uh, dollar bounce. Mark, talk to us about Shanghai lockdown. Some uh, incredible images uh, coming across the screen yesterday as uh, the doors were opened and residents were just running uh, for the hills ultimately. Uh, but there are some 500,000. They're still under severe lockdown here. But uh, this could change things a bit here and will uh, add to the discussion at the very least. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think that Shanghai and Beijing lifting some of their restrictions economy's opening up again. A smaller part of the economy now is covered by these social restrictions, and both Beijing and Shanghai have announced more, say, supportive measures, primarily fiscal policy. And I think that the worst for China, the world's second largest economy, probably is in May. And so we're going to get the May economic data in the coming weeks, and that's likely to be poor, but that likely is the bottom. I, and we'll see this tomorrow when the World Bank IMF revised their global outlook. They're likely to cut Chinese growth. But China argues that they're not taking into account this new stimulus. So maybe a V-shaped bottom for China like we had in the U.S. and Europe had might be a bit too much at this point. But I think that's the, head, that's the direction we're headed. You know, we're looking at the yen here right now, which has been under pressure, to say the least. It went a bit more sideways throughout the month of May than it had been into uh, this spring, uh, earlier spring. But talk to us, because now that I think about it, the Asia-Pacific region, for the most part, Australia, for that matter, uh, has done very well. Strong jobs, strong numbers. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, their economy seems to have fared, uh, well, really well considering the lockdowns and the close proximity and, and uh, again, that association that we oftentimes have. Yeah, so for me, the, uh, the key for the yen is watching the 10-year U.S. yield. Okay. Uh, that correlation is very strong, very stable lately. Uh, so I think that the bounce back in U.S. yields, uh, helping dollar-yen approach that 130 level again, I think you're right that the, uh, the Japanese economy, lifting the COVID restrictions, uh, recovery is underway. However, that March earthquake, mid-March earthquake, still like weighed on April industrial production. Also, we saw that 
Japan's exports and imports from China uh, due to those lockdowns in China uh, were, were affected. But I think that the Japanese economy is recovering. And I, Australia, I'm not so sure about. The economy is robust right now, but that PMI has fallen for a couple of months in a row now. So I think that Australia might be losing some steam, but we'll have to see what happens when it benefits from the reopening of China. Mark, pleasure to have you with us here as you return from vacation and as you join us here on the TD Ameritrade Network to get this day started. Mark Chandler, the chief market strategist, always a pleasure joining us from Bannockburn here this morning.